Hey, you're listening to the Creative Pep Talk Podcast. We help you build a thriving creative career. I'm your host, Andy J. Pizza! You can stay up to date with all things Creative Pep Talk by following me on Instagram at Andy J. Pizza. Let's get into today's episode. So we got our first factor meals and I am pumped to tell you about them. First off, we absolutely loved them. Delicious chef's kiss for the chef crafted dietitian approved meals that come straight to your door. I can definitely see how when deadlines are out of control or you're in a super busy season, how factor meals can lighten your load while still giving you options like veggie, vegan, and even low calorie Get as much or as little as you need by choosing six to 18 meals per week. Plus, you can even pause or reschedule your deliveries at any time. No prep, no mess meals. Factor meals are 100% ready to heat and eat, so there's no prepping, cooking, or cleanup. Head to factormeals.com slash peptalk50 and use code peptalk50 to get 50% off. That's code peptalk50 at factormeals.com slash peptalk50 to get 50% off. One of my all-time favorite quotes is from Joseph Campbell, of course. If you're familiar with the podcast, you know I'm quite obsessed with The Hero's Journey. Uh, If you don't know, The Hero's Journey is basically um, it's a story structure framework, but it's also Joseph Campbell's life work. He was a comparative myth scholar, and he noticed through studying, you know, myths throughout all cultures of all times that there are these patterns in the way that we tell stories and the kind of stories that we tell and gravitate towards and and keep telling. And he called that pattern the hero's journey. And uh, one of my all-time favorite quotes is, the big question is whether you are going to be able to say a hearty yes to your adventure. And uh, I love that quote. You know, I feel like my job in this world is to do whatever I can creatively to inspire others to say yes to life. There's a book that I just ran into, I haven't read it yet, by Viktor Frankl, uh, Holocaust survivor and and uh, I believe psychologist, and the, the book's called Yes to Life. And I was like, yes to that book, because that's my that's – my, uh, that's my catchphrase. Um, I, I need, you know, I always, I'm always drawn to that Gary Shandling quote. A lot of quotes going on in this episode. Um, to be honest with you, I had another episode planned. Um, I'm going to go back to the Gary Shandling thing. I had another episode planned, but uh, it's kind of a bigger episode that I'm I'm still working on. I want to make sure it's right. And, um, you know, I just felt this urge to kind of speak to what's on my heart today, what I'm going through today, and this what this episode is, and I'm really excited to share it with you because um, it's what I'm really going through, and I think there's some ideas here that might be really, really timely, and I feel like it's kind of a snow day. There's snow all over the country, and so I thought, why not throw out the routine and, and call a snow day and do something different. And so that's what I'm doing. That's what this episode is. I hope you love it. Um, we're going to be talking about the hero's journey uh, and, and the creative hero's journey, which is your journey and the creative call to adventure. But um, just that's just the preface. So 
the Gary Shandling quote, this idea of, um, you've heard me say it a million times, if you're a regular listener, that the purpose of creativity is to give what you didn't get. And, uh, you know, I've said before that I started Creative Pep Talk. I started this podcast, not necessarily because I'm an amazing pep talk giver, um, but more that I'm the type of person, I'm the type of creative that needs a lot of pep talks. Sophie, my wife, gave me a pep talk today. You know, she doesn't, she gets tired of it, man, because she has to do it so often because I'm an emotional bag of uh, melancholy and struggle and, and angst and all that. And But every once in a while, she's like, all right, the only thing that's going to get you through this is a pep talk. And she just gives me like tough love and, uh, <laughs> and just, uh, you know, and, and peps me up. And, and so I created this podcast because I know from personal experience that creatives need pep talks, right? And, uh, and so I, the reason yet saying yes to life, inspiring people to say yes to life, yes to their creative call to adventure, why that's my job is because I need a lot of stories. I need a lot of art that helps me remember why life is worth it, why life is worth saying a hearty yes to. And so I want to I want to talk about that quote. The big question is whether you're going to be able to say a, a hearty yes to your adventure because I, I that quote, I believe, is encaptures, encapsulates the driving force that I think has led to almost everything good in my creative career. And I want to share that with you. Uh, but I feel like that quote is it, it doesn't fully do the job without adding an extra word to it. And I'm going to get to what that extra word is in a second. But before we do, I want to add a little nuance to the idea of the hero's journey that is going to set the tone for what I'm asking you to do today. So if you're familiar at all with this story structure, you know that at the start of the journey, there is a call to adventure that the hero has to say yes to at that start of every single one, almost every story. There's some kind of inciting incident or call to adventure that the hero has to say yes to for the story to begin. That's like a really common thread. It happens every single time. But even though that's in every single story, the nuance is there's actually two versions of the call. There's always a call, but the call isn't always the same. And so there's uh, one type of call is uh, where we have a reluctant hero. A lot of stories, a lot of calls to adventure, a lot of adventures are heroes that did not want to go on a journey. They didn't decide to go out there and find an adventure. The adventure came to them in the form of a crisis. This is the reluctant hero. Think John McClane. John McClane did not want to take down terrorists in a skyscraper, okay? And you can feel that the whole way. He's like, ah, oh, I'm too old for this stuff. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what it says. Um, but you can feel that. Most stories, actually, I think the adventure comes to them. That's the type of call that is on their life. But there's this whole other group of heroes that they are living in an ordinary world that they're sick of. 
They're sick of their every day. They're sick of the monotony. They believe they have this internal calling that says, I was meant for something more than this, something bigger, and I'm going to go out there and find it. Think Moana, you know, that I'm a huge fan of that hero's journey. She's like, I'm going to, she has this itch to go sail, even though her father has told her not to sail into the ocean. And it's just this calling that she can't ignore. And she chooses the adventure, right? Sometimes it's, it's often a mix of both of these things, but there's a, there's a saying yes to the thing that's coming at you. And then there's the saying, and of this is what I want to do while I'm on the planet. This is me exerting my will. And so the way that I would say this Joseph Campbell quote that really summarizes the, the, the balance, the, the pendulum energy of you know being thrown into an adventure and then going out there and finding my own adventure, I would call uh, that quote, I would say, is the big question is whether you're going to be able to say a hearty yes and to your adventure. Yes and. Because there is a time and place to say yes to the flow that is knocking down your door and begging you to accept the challenge. And then there is a time for saying nothing is happening. Nothing is at my door. The, the, I'm looking around and I'm uninspired by my current situation. And I am going to dig within myself and exert my own desires and my own perspective. And I'm going to not just wait for a flow, but make some waves. And I think that the trick is, and why that version of that quote is so important to my life is because even though I actually have a preference, and I think we all do, and I, and I want to get into that, even though I have a preference for which of, whether I like saying yes or and, the only way to to, to really consistently stay on the pulse of your creative adventure is to know which of those energies is happening now and to make sure that you're not holding one so tightly when the other one is trying to happen. You know, there was early on in this podcast early year, like maybe a year into it, I was spending so much time on the and side of that equation, the how to exert your will, how to go out there, create a goal, and make something happen in your career. And I spent so much time on that because that, you know, cat out of the bag, that's my preference. That's the kind of creative I am. I like being strategic and naming something and getting out there and reverse engineering it and end game. Uh, I, I like that. So that was just natural for me. But also most creative people are in a situation where they look around and they're like Moana and it's monotony and it's not everything. It, there's nothing knocking down their door calling them to a greater adventure. They've got to be the one that is the inciting incident. And so that's why I spent so much time, uh, you know, a year or two years in that zone until I got an email from somebody who had told me like, you know, uh, that they turned down a, a huge job for this massive, great client collaborator because it wasn't the goal. It wasn't in sync with the goals that they'd made. 
And I was just crushed. I was crushed, honestly, to think that I'd influence them to not say yes and to only say and, 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 and this is what I want to do. And this is what I want to do. And screw anything that's coming and knocking on my door if it doesn't line up with that. And so at that time, at that time, I started to course correct the podcast and kind of just shift gears a little bit towards um, a, a balance of these two things. And so that that's what this episode is about. I want you to acknowledge first and foremost that there are two types of ways to say yes. There are two types of way to stay in that pulse, that flow. I don't know about you. Let's get a little bit weird, but I, I the way that I interact with my creative creative career, my creative practice, it's not uh, you know, a buttoned up, get up in the morning, do the routine, tick all the boxes, and go back to bed. To me, it is a deeper, I would even maybe go so far as to say a spiritual journey that I want to stay on the pulse of. When I get up in the morning, my intention, I get a bath, I take a bath every day. It's helpful for the ADHD. Judge me all you want. I also take showers, which is kind of wasteful, but more clean. Um, but <laughs> I start with an intention of, I just, I wanna be on the pulse and the flow of what I'm here to do. I wanna say yes to that. And, and I think bringing this nuance to it, realizing that saying yes sometimes means accepting the call and sometimes that means creating it. And so let's talk about a few different things you can do to stay in that zone and in that flow. I think the first thing that you've got to do to maintain uh, being at the center of that creative pulse is to identify your preference for yes or and. Let's just break down just a little bit the idea of yes and. I'm sure you've heard of it a billion times. It's a cliche. It's it's you know it's a joke more than anything uh, these days. But yes and is a concept that comes from improv comedy, and the the concept is just that blocking or saying no kills a skit. And so if someone says, hey, let's go rob a bank, and you say, no, I don't rob banks. I'm a good boy. It, that kills the skit. Now they got to start all over again. You're and So you're supposed to agree. You're supposed to go along. You're supposed to say yes, but you're not just supposed to say yes. You're supposed to say, yeah, let's go rob that bank because if we don't, Uncle Remus is going to die. Um, I don't know. I don't do improv comedy, um, but uh, but that's the concept. That's yes and. And what I love about it, not just as a uh, an improv comedy concept, I love it as a philosophy on life. Uh, you know, 
even kind of my spiritual philosophy coincides with that is that there is a lot of stuff that life is going to throw at you, that the universe is going to throw at you, that the universe had planned for you, uh, whether you're an atheist or a, or a theist, you were given some DNA, some disorders, some strengths, some weaknesses. You were put in a location. There was a bunch of things that you didn't have any choice in. There are some purposes, some wounds, some, some gifts, some callings that were given to you, whether you like it or not. And you have the decision to live in the energy of yes or no to those things. You can resist them for the rest of your life and you will never get on with actually living until you say, yes, this is the thing I was given and I'm going to accept it and I'm going to work with it. But it's not just an acceptance. Acceptance is almost passive in a way. And actually, I've my philosophy is that the universe doesn't want to just prescribe the solution to you, but you are given a consciousness. We are unique animals on this planet and in this universe in that that consciousness means we have our own willpower. We have our own desires. We have the ability to imagine a future that doesn't exist today. That's how our species has created this world that we're living in. And so it's not just about saying, yes, I accept the, 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 my lot in life. It's also saying, okay, I'll work with what's given to me. I'll work with the flow that's coming my way. But that's not the end of the equation. I'm going to add my and. That's creativity, baby. To me, that's what that's where it gets that's where creativity gets really good. But it's but actually both sides of this equation are really creative. And I and I want to talk about how you can kind of identify which of these types you are. Now we talk a lot about goals. Um we, we talk a lot about uh, reverse engineering and ended desire. That's a strategic way of going through life. That's the and quality of saying, here's my thought. Here's my collaborative input to where this life is going and what it's going to be. Now, the other side of that equation, that yes, that's much more an exploratory mindset. It's a, it's a person, it's a creative that says, I don't really want to know where I'm headed tomorrow, that takes all the fun out of it. I have a lot of creative friends, a lot of creative people are more that yes energy. They just want to say yes to the next right thing and see what happens because it keeps it interesting. But it's my experience uh, that the, the most interesting things happen and the best outcomes happen when you identify which of those is your preference and which of those is needed right now and and act accordingly and that starts with saying which is the one that on uh, in my routine kind of uh, robotic every day without adding any real consciousness which one do i get stuck in and is just kind of my uh, modus operandi if you will um, which one of those is that? For me, it's strategic. Now, I, I want to dive into this for a bit because I've been wanting to do an episode where we explore these two sides of creativity. If you're a longtime listener, you know we've been kind of dissecting the idea of exploratory creativity versus strategic cre creativity for a long time. And, and, and you listeners who listen really intently week after week, you'll have picked up that 
these ideas kind of developed in real time for me because there was a time where when I realized I am such a strategic person, I, I, I approach everything strategically, there was a time a few years back where I thought, what if that just means that I'm not creative? Because I, I think that there's an idea out there in the world that says creativity is about is exploration. It's, it's a creativity is about starting without knowing where you're going. You know, you can, I think about it like this, like there's a certain type of painting where it's kind of Ouija board creativity where you're like, I just let the brush go all over the place and see what happens. And actually I love creativity like that. There's a lot of really interesting, fun things that happen like that. And I have made it a part of my practice to write things for this podcast, for write things for kids' books and, and, and for all the other stuff and makes drawings and stuff where I'm like, I don't know where this thing is going. I don't know what it's going to look like at the end. And I'm going to let the process kind of unravel and develop in real time. And there, that, there's a lot of fun things that can happen that way. There's a lot of interesting coincidences and breakthroughs that can happen like that that can't happen if you're strategic and you just plan every single decision. But that's true in the micro of a piece of work. And it's also true in the macro of your creative career and, and the, the work of art that that can become. Uh, and we're going to talk about that in a minute. Uh, about kind of recognizing which energy you need to show up in now, regardless of your preference. But for now, let's talk about um, figuring out which of these you are. And so although I think there's a cliche that the Ouija board creativity of exploratory creativity is the definition of creativity, I've come to learn, this has been so enlightening to me, that strategy is a equal and as important, as valid approach to creativity. It's the type of creativity that's less like a Ouija board and more like a puzzle board. Uh, both boards, so that's something, uh, but it's more like a, a creativity as solving a puzzle. And the, the way that I really realized that this was a super powerful, important, uh, just as valid side as creativity, it was really healing for me as someone who realized, like, I'm not a huge explorer in creativity. I'm more of a strategic creative, was seeing the movie Knives Out. Uh, Knives Out by Ryan Johnson. Highly recommend it. It's uh, you know a whodunit mystery, murder mystery, and uh, you know I've been obsessed with murder mysteries for a long time. The way I actually write content, the way I write a punchline for an analogy, uh, is is actually the process most mystery writers use. And they do that by starting with the end in mind. That's how you set up all of the clues. You know, when you're writing a three-act structure, what happens in the first act, it has to be totally in sync with what happens in the third act. And so if you read a mystery writing 101, they're going to tell you the way to write a mystery is in reverse. In reverse is the definition of strategy. Strategy is starting with the end in mind and working backwards to what are the steps we need to take to meet that desired result. And when I realized that uh, something like Knives Out, something as creatively brilliant as that, was only possible by approaching it with strategy, I was like, oh, thank God. I am a creative. <laughs> thank goodness. Um, 
And the example I usually give here is, you know, the show Lost, that's just, that's falling off the horse on the side of exploration. That is, I, I still like Lost. Look, I do. But I wish that there was more strategy in it. I wish they had a clearer picture of the end in mind so that the polar bears paid off. What the hell is wrong? Where are the, why? Why are there polar bears? Dear God, you never addressed it, JJ. Oh, you f the pendulum swung too far to the yes. Yes, there could be polar bears. Yes, there could be smoke monsters. Yeah, no, there can't. Unless you plan to swing the pendulum back the other way, okay? Dang it. Um, I love Lost, JJ. I know you're not listening to this, but in case a friend of his is or a deadbeat brother is listening to this podcast trying to out tr trying to finally catch up to their sibling tell your brother i love him i loved lost it's a big big show for me but also tell him maybe round it out with <laughs> strategy i have no business talking to jj abrams your your career is uh is magnificent and and i'll never i'll never ever make anything as great as what you've made but um, but, uh, the, 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 just think of the, let's just point out the, uh, the, <laughs> the, you know, delusions of grandeur that somehow this is going to get back to JJ Abrams and, and he's going to be upset with me, um, for his critique on Lost. Anyway, Lost is a great example of exploratory creativity to the extreme and the, and the downsides of that. And the same goes for charting your creative career. If you don't ever add your perspective, if you don't ever add a goal, you can find yourself off in the wilderness without any rhyme or reason in a place that you never intended to go. That's, that's often what happens when you just let the cards play and all you do is accept and say yes and yes and yes. Now, the opposite side... Uh, and I'm sure there's worse versions of this that are much more formulaic and and dry and and bad. But Seinfeld is another is kind of an example of extreme strategy. You know, early on in the writing of Seinfeld, Larry David talks about what it seems like to me is he discovered uh, story structure, like traditional storytelling, where it's a circle. Everything comes full circle. Everything comes back. You know, in my mind, this is kind of um, for story nerds. You'll like this. For non-story nerds, you'll have no idea what I'm talking about. But um, philosopher Hegel had this thing, the Hegelian dialectic, uh, and it's and it's applied to the three-act story structure where you have the thesis, the antithesis, and the synthesis. The, the thesis is like what the character wants. The antithesis is the thing that stops them. The synthesis, a good story, those two things come together in a surprising, satisfying, inevitable way where that you, that you didn't see coming, right? That's why it's a surprise. Uh, and Seinfeld is basically like, you know, uh, uh, the story of Seinfeld, the stories each episode is just basically an exercise in the Hegelian dialectic over and over and over. And it's and to the extreme of you just always see it coming. You know, like, okay, this thing, that's what how it starts. This was in the middle. They're going to come together. It's going to happen over and over and over. Um, and, and actually, I think Curb Your Enthusiasm, Larry David, 
the co-creator of Seinfeld, went on to make Curb Your Enthusiasm and star in that show. That is, in my mind, the ideal balance of exploration and strategy, the ideal balance of yes and. And, and of course, being such, it embodies improv. And so the way that they do that show is that they write out the strategic story where the end, they have the end, they reverse engineer it to everything that needs to happen leading up to that. They have this super tight plot that's a, a circular story, um, traditional kind of storytelling, but they get there in an exploratory way. And yes, I've mentioned this on the podcast, but I'm, I'm dissecting it deeper because I think the implications of this, I think the uh, it, Curb Your Enthusiasm is such a, a great example of the, the holding these two powers, these creative superpowers in tension, and the show is a result of that. And so what they do is they have the strategic story, but every single scene is improv. They know where it has to go, but they don't know how they're going to get there. If you can approach your painting, if you can, you know, the way I approach that in my illustration is I have a super tight sketch for every illustration. It usually means a lot of paper. I use a, a light box and I get, I work on the drawing. I work on aspects. I work characters until they all meet my taste. And it's very tight and I'm perfectly happy with this is where I want to go. That's my strategy. But over time, you know, I made a book uh, called So Many Sounds and I love that book. But when I got it, I felt like this is, um, it's an all digital artwork. And it just felt like there could be more life in this. There could be more accident. Like I was so, it was my first kid's book with a major publisher. And I just, I wanted it to be perfect. And in a way it is perfect. And I am proud of it. But there's a side of perfect. There's a side of strategy. There's a side of that and of like, I am going to exert my will exactly to the mark that ends up losing some of that spontaneity of the exploration, that spontaneity of saying yes to the happy accidents. And that's when I started to uh, inject gouache painting into my process because I'm not a good painter. <laughs> I'm, a good, I'm a good illustrator. I can turn paintings into a good illustration um, and a good picture, but I'm not a good painter. I'm not in control of my brush. And often that actually leads to some interesting accidents that I'm really into. And so I mix that, that analog and that digital. I mix that exploration in that strategic. I, I, minch, I, I mash that obsessive sketch with this haphazard painting and then I put it in digital and I try to get it kind of get the perfect balance of that. That's what I'm talking about when I'm saying, how do you embody both of these things? And the first step to that is realizing what is your MO? What is, which of these are you really good at? And own that, be proud of it. You know, it, it was an amazing thing when I realized like my strategic side is a valid form of creativity and I am going to lean into that baby. And I should, because I think that's where my talent really lies. But there's also a lot of value in saying, okay, well, I ignore the other side and here's the downsides to my preference and how am I going to round this out so that I don't, as Martin Luther would say, fall off the other side of the horse.
All right, the second thing you got to do is you got to identify what type of story you're in now. Are you in a yes moment or are you in an and moment? And this is the reason I decided to do this episode is because I'm going through the process of awakening to the fact that I need to realize that I'm in a different story than I was a few years ago, and I'm going to have to shift that pendulum. And I'm going to get to kind of the specifics of that in just a second. But what you need to know is that one of the uh, interesting things about the hero's journey is that it works on the micro and it works on the macro. You know, when it comes to the three acts of a movie or a play or a story, um, they those three acts are also like you can take the first act and you can break that down into three acts. And you can take those acts and you can break those down into three acts. And every scene of the movie is a three-act scene. And uh, and either a, a comedy or a tragedy either ends in a bad way that creates tension or it ends in uh, uh, the comedy, uh, uh, meaning ends in a good way that creates relief. And actually a great trilogy of stories is a three-act system. And so what you have to realize is that at the macro – you're you're living in a story and there are times in your life where you are in a place you are the moana you are the hero that's looking around and they don't feel inspired by what is in front of them and they have to enact their will and when i i am that like i told you before that's the strategic side i'm comfortable with that that makes me a goal setter and a go getter man i don't know what, why i'm like that but i am so driven by a goal a strategic goal where i can say in 5 years i want to be there then in order to do that at year 4 i need to do this year 3 i need to do this year 2 i need to do this year 1 i need to do this and that means today i need to do this and that animates me to get out of bed and see the purpose of what I'm doing. I need that energy for some reason. And so I'm comfortable with that. I like that. But every few years, I get thrown into an adventure. And, uh, and that's what's happened to all of us right now. And when that happens, when your preference for yes or and is no longer working and you can feel yourself, you've been thrown off the pulse, the thing you got to do is say, just you got to be aware of it. You got to say, what kind of story am I in right now? And it, act accordingly. So, you know, uh, four or five years ago, I, st I had started the podcast six years ago and uh, about a year, year and a half into it, I was also really, really trying to get 
the my my feet off the ground in picture books. I hadn't really done hardly anything in picture books. I hadn't been letting the gates. Nobody would let me make a picture book. And I was writing all these stories, submitting all these stories, making tons of, you know, concept art for these these books and um, dummies and all that stuff. It's just obsessing, talking to picture book makers, trying to figure it out, um, just hitting brick wall after brick. I almost got in so many doors and they just, the doors just kept slamming in my face. And that was my strategy. That's what I wanted. I wanted to be a picture book maker. It made so much sense to my career. You know, I'd made, I'd spent all up to that time, I'd already spent a bunch of time being an illustrator for clients, for grownups. And off, you know, there was a time actually where I had made, uh, I had got this job for one of the biggest vodka uh, companies in the world, probably the biggest. You definitely know them if you know any vodka company. And uh, and I did this big campaign with them. Uh, it was early in my career. It was going to be artwork for their bottle. And uh, it was more money that I'd ever seen in the deal. And right before we were about to cross that finish line, they got a message from their lawyer that said, Andy's work is just too appealing to kids and we're going to have to kill this project and you're just going to get the kill fee. And I was, I really needed that project and I was devastated, but I didn't see that my work appealing too much to kids wasn't a curse, but a blessing. And so over time I realized like, Duh, Andy, like make some stuff for kids. That's the kind of stuff that is natural. It flows out of you. Your, your childlike goofball, roll with it. And so I switched gears. I wanted to make picture books and I was spending years trying to break into that thing. All at, and, and at the same time, I'd started a podcast to start to get more public speaking gigs uh, around the topic that was closest to my heart, which was helping creative people. And uh, in the podcast, a good two years in, really started to pick up pace right as all these doors were getting slammed in my face. And it took me way longer than it should have because my preference is for the strategy to realize it's time to quit saying and to the picture books and this idea and that idea. What about that? And, 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 and stop saying it. Stop it. <laughs> the universe said No and say yes to the thing that has the life. But because once you identify your preference, the power of that is you realize that is your blind spot and you need to just keep that in the back of your mind. And this is when I learned the podcast was flowing and I decided to set down becoming a picture book maker and having a picture book career. And just, I didn't know if that was setting it down forever or if it, it was just setting it down for a while, but I knew I need to focus where the life is. I need to go where the yes is and, and flow with it. And I did. And I spent a good few years. I spent every year since then, you know, the extra energy on top of the stuff that I'm doing to pay my bills, client illustration and, and, and other, uh, other stuff, other stuff. I like, <laughs> I love the, the vagueness of that. Sounds like I'm also in the mafia. I'm not. Um, or am I? That's exactly what a mafia member would say. Can you imagine if I was in the mafia, how easily I would get killed? Um, they would not like me. It'd be like Corky Romano. 
knows? Anybody know that reference? Good Lord. Chris Kattan. Anyway, so I decided I'm going to focus on the podcast. I'm going to go with the flow and I'm going to focus on public speaking with all of my heart and soul. And it was really good. And it became a huge part of my career. And I got a bunch of opportunities. I got to go speak at a team at Sesame Street. I got to uh, give a talk at, at a gorgeous venue on Sunset Boulevard in LA just a few years ago, um, speak at conferences, all these amazing experiences. And then guess what happened, mister? COVID. And all of my wildest dreams, this hit me maybe a week ago, and this is why I'm doing this episode. Not only are we taking a break from public speaking, we and I really have no idea if and when and how it will come back. And I don't even know if that reality is something that I'm going to love as much as I used to if it's changed that much. And there's just no, and maybe it will, we don't, there's just no way to know. But what I know is at the time being, I am in a different story and recognizing that is essential to saying yes to the call that is happening today. And guess what? I'll just let you peek behind the curtains. We just launched a kid's book um, a week ago called Dream Machine with uh, magician Joshua Jay. So proud of it. It's a book. It's a board book that is a dream machine so that kids can, uh, that I illustrated, that kids can can um, put all the settings. There's levers and, and little toggles and stuff so they can set like how loud their snore is going to be and who's going to be in their dream and all that kind of stuff. Gorgeous. It's from Chronicle Books. Gorgeous. I illustrated it. <laughs> I meant gorgeously like crafted. The, the Chronicle made this specimen of a book is gorgeous. Go check it out. You can go get your copy at creativepeptalk.etsy.com um, if you're interested. Uh, but we have another picture book coming out and I have a few other things in the works in that front and the energy is there. And the funniest thing is I love these books so much. But I can, I just realized when it hit me and it broke my heart that, that public speaking is just up in the air uh, indefinitely for the time being. And that story is just kind of on pause. It just hit me that this thing that I wanted so much has come back to me, just like Christina Aguilera said it would. <laughs> and, and I'm fighting it. And, uh, and I just needed to realize that I... Am I'm I'm doing my end to the public speaking thing when the world, the universe is saying, no, it's not happening. This other thing is recognize the story you're in. And so that might be, I think we're all in a in a time where our stories that we were trying to tell just got so abruptly interrupted by a totally different call to adventure. And if you'll stop and recognize that, you can pivot. And that yes and energy, that going with the flow when it's flowing and making your own waves when it's time to make waves, knowing when to do both of those things, that to me, that holding that relativity intention, that's how you get really, really interesting places. And you see it out there in the marketplace, people talking about, it's all about grit. It's all about exerting your will. It's all about never giving up, never surrender. Like do we, <laughs> there's the people in that boat. Uh, but, but there's also 
this other boat that says never stop, tr- fail fast, try new things. You know, make your app. Your app used to be for finding hot dog places. Now it's for selling uh, uh, used clothes that y- you don't want anymore. What you know, whatever it is, just don't hold tightly to anything. And I'm like, dear God, which one is it? And the truth is, both and yes and. Here's a little practical takeaway. I want you to use the Hegelian dialectic. I love saying that. It just sounds like you really know stuff. I heard it on a podcast, okay? That's the truth. I didn't even go to real college in America. But uh, Hegelian dialectic, it's the story structure of thesis, antithesis, synthesis. And just write those three words out. Thesis is what you went what you wanted at the beginning of 2020, what your dreams were. Antithesis is COVID. It's anything that came against that thing that was unexpected. Just write all that stuff out and then go to synthesis and say, with everything that I know based on what I wanted and what I got, what can I do now? What's the surprising inevitable thing that I never saw coming. What's this, what, what is here now? And you can do that exercise in your mind. You can do it on the notes app on your phone. You can do it on a piece of paper, but just owning the thesis. That part was huge for me. Owning what I wanted and then owning what made that impossible. It helped me get real about what I need to do now in that synthesis. And it's given me life this week. I don't know if you could tell. I'm just guessing you can feel this episode is kind of special. Um, it was felt special to me. I was so, I'm present. I'm in this moment. This is what I'm working on right now. And I hope that you, uh, I hope you, um, I hope it was good for me to share this stuff in real time with you. Huge shout out to Yoni Wolf and the band Y. Thanks to Sophie Pizza, my my wife, who talked to me for hours and hours and hours about um, the other episode I'm working on and, and also pep talked me into going into what I'm working on and present with right now because I'm so proud of this episode and it wouldn't have happened without her um, content assistance and collaboration. Thanks to Ryan Appleton for um, scheduling and, and content assistance. Thanks to Jordan Aaron for editing. Thanks to Alex Sugg for our soundtrack. And until we speak again, stay pepped up. <laughs>